What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 195 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Neil Parekh from MadeThisFranchise.com. Neil is another great example of somebody who took an idea and designed a life for himself that's just so cool and so unique. And we heard about this concept in episode 193 with David Lahav, who has a remote local business. Well, that's what Neil Park has. He has a remote local business as well, which is a business that he can run from anywhere in the world when technically he's only servicing customers in one specific city. And so what Neil does is he has a cleaning business called MadeThis.com, which is a cleaning service that helps Airbnb rentals turnover for the next guests and then just people in general who have homes that they want cleaned. Neil takes care of that form, and like I said, he can do it from anywhere in the world. So this concept of remote local business has been coming across my radar recently. It's a really interesting concept. I think a lot of people out there you know, who might have different types of services, they could start possibly implementing this model. If you're a first-time listener, please pull out that phone, hit the subscribe button. If you like this episode, Neil and I sure would appreciate a share, maybe a five-star rating on iTunes, and maybe a comment. We'd love to hear from you and what you liked about this episode and maybe even what you disliked. That's okay, too. And if you want to head over to MisfitsAndRejects.com, you can get a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. That's one way to support Misfits and Rejects. The other way is head over to Patreon.com, Misfits and Rejects. You can give a monthly donation. All is appreciated. Nothing is expected. But from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you. Thank you for joining us today. Please sit back and relax and enjoy this episode with Neil Parikh from MadeThis.com and MadeThisFranchise.com. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners... A lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm joined by Neil Parikh from MadeThisFranchise.com. Neil, welcome to the show. How you doing, Chapin? Oh man, it's a pleasure. It's so exciting that we're actually very nearby, locationally speaking, in California. Like We just found out we grew up just down the street from each other, sort of. Yeah, so close, but so far during quarantine, but very, very close, which is kind of cool, especially in this digital nomad world. Yeah, it is. And I mean, I've been interviewing so many people that are based right now in like quarantine in Malaysia, quarantine in Mexico. (laughs) And pre-show, you talked about if this hadn't happened, you'd be in what, Playa del Carmen right now, right? I would have been in Mexico, yeah. we I I got there, unfortunately, just a week before this chaos hit and then just left there immediately. But yeah, I would have been in Mexico. Oh, interesting. So you did make that decision to come back and quarantine back in in your hometown. Are you with with your parents right now at their parents' house? Yeah, with my parents, yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a whirlwind of a decision right when I got there. Just everything hit at once. The world was going nuts. Everyone was worried. And, you know, in times like that, you just want to go back to somewhere that's familiar. So that was the decision. And that's fair, dude. I had a, a Canadian friend who resides in Wyoming um, who decided once once their president, I forget his, his name, but called them back. She ran. You know, she's like, I'm yeah. out of here, dude. I'm heading back to Canada where I feel safe. Yep, yep. Wild times, dude. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about you because before uh, we jumped on the call, I was looking at your, your website, madethisfranchise.com, and as we spoke about, I mean, this is a great opportunity, a great time for anybody listening out there to start thinking about their life situation. If they're not happy within their business 
setting, like you can change and you can and move into the online space. And what you're doing is fascinating because madethis.com is a service that helps what Airbnbs um, with the the clean their cleaning needs, right? Correct. Yeah. And then you you spun off of that idea into a franchise model that it sounds like is a plug and play for anybody in the world. I mean, anybody who's got an Airbnb in the world could essentially do what with this? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll go and explain the background. One thing to touch on, which you mentioned, is right now is probably the best time I could think of to get into the online business game. The reason is because everything is shifted online just due to the quarantine meaning Zoom calls, virtual meetings, uh, everything like that's become so location independent more than before and people are used to that. So I can't think of a better time where it'd be prime time to start something which is location independent just because the world is used to it now. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's a good time to do that. Yeah, 100%, dude. Uh, so to your question, Chapin, for made this, uh, madethis.com, uh, which is what I started about seven years ago, is a cleaning service geared towards two audiences. One is just vacation rental hosts. You know, a guest checks out, another guest checks in. You need a cleaning done in between that time, almost like a hotel cleaning, but for Airbnb hosts. Um, so, and the other part of the business is just serving regular residential homes. So, Chapin, if you need a cleaning for your home and you're too lazy and bored to do it, you could order a cleaning service to come over every month and clean it. Um, so the idea spun off when I was... Um, and we could talk about this later, but I was working at a corporate job and, uh, I did, I wanted to have a side hustle, try something else out. And this came up and, uh, yeah, I mean, it started to grow and grow. I was able to do it remotely and set up the systems to do it remotely. So our team right now is across eight different countries. Um, I spend probably half the year in Los Angeles where the business is based and half the year elsewhere. And, uh, now we spun this into a remote local concept is what I call it called made this franchise, meaning we're selling territories around the U S for other people to have a remote local franchise as well. And pretty much do what I did. Yeah. Let's get in the nitty gritty of this. Cause this is interesting. I just got off a call with David. Yeah. And, yeah. And no, in, in uh, Denver, right? Yeah, totally. And just, you know, doing something similar where you had a service based in Denver and then decided to create an, an opportunity for, other business to kind of follow his model. And um, we talked a little bit about, you know, if you're going to create a location independent business that is providing a service in a specific location, you kind of do want to be there for at least the beginning phases of it where you can, you know, create the network of individuals in your case, for example, cleaning. So you at least know the standard in which the service is being provided, but then you can move location independent like you are and, and just kind of operate from your computer. So if you can kind of get us into like, yeah, let's get detailed on this. I'd love to hear like from the inception of this, how it grew to where you're at now. Yeah, sure. And uh, just to mention, talk about what you, you said right there. I, I don't think this was possible 10 years ago. Let's put it that way. And I think people are still stuck in the mentality of a local business. You think a mom and pop shop stacking tomato cans. I don't, I don't know what. That's the concept of a local business. But the fact is technology has changed much faster than people's perception of local businesses. Um, so now it is fully possible to have a local business in which you're not actually there and you're working remotely when that was not possible 10 years ago, I think. So in some ways it's kind of a new mental shift. Um, and, and that's, that's generally what I'm seeing. like we talked about earlier, I think the fact that everyone is going online with everything, working from home is going to make this go even faster and change that mentality much quicker. Absolutely. So yeah, please, please continue with, uh, made this like, sounds like you got into this space, this made this space. Um, without, I'm assuming, being super passionate about cleaning, it's like an, you said it like an opportunity came across um, came across your threshold, and you you just took the opportunity and ran with it. Can you explain that? 
Yeah, sure. So, Chip, have you ever been on Reddit? I have. I'm not a huge Redditor, if that's what you used to yeah. <laughs> I know what it is. Yeah. Uh, so I was working in uh, in my corporate job. I worked in like private equity, venture capital, uh, finance. So I was there for about four years. Okay. And while I was there, um, I liked the job. I liked the people. Uh, but I was just looking for a side hustle. And I tried a bunch of different things. I think uh, I had drop shipping, just every possible thing that I thought was location independent and that I could do well from the road. I tried. And I was just finally on uh, Reddit. And there's a subreddit called uh, Entrepreneur where people post different ideas and talk about stuff. And one guy had posted um, how he started just a local cleaning company. And he posted the steps. So I thought, you know, what the hell? I'll try this along with the many other things I was trying. And it started to work. We started to get bookings, and that was coming in. And mind you, this is why, while I was still part-time, or while I was still working at the job, so I was just doing this part-time. So I just kind of hustled for a couple years, doing this on the side, take lunch breaks and take phone calls. Um, The people at my office saw me all the time on the phone outside, so they started calling me drug dealer because they they were like, oh, you're doing drug deals outside. That's why you're on the phone all the time. The reality is I was just talking to cleaners and, and coordinating jobs. Um, so I did it for a couple years part-time at the same time, uh, we started to get more and more calls from people who wanted, uh, an Airbnb cleaning service. And, you know, mind you, this was five to seven years ago when they started to call. So it was a little bit of a new thing uh, in terms of the Airbnb boom. And so we saw the opportunity there and pivoted and started focusing our services more towards vacation rental hosts to do those turnover cleanings in between. And it started to grow and grow. And at a certain point I thought, well, I have enough money coming in to at least let me survive while I'll travel. So then uh, after two years of doing a part-time, I quit and went full-time and booked a one-way flight straight to Columbia and started from there. That's rad. So when you found this uh, individual on Reddit, did you then like purchase a course on how to get this started or you just figured it out on your own? Uh, no, I figured it out on my own. And there's there was a smaller community around other people doing it. So it was kind of a cool community vibe. This was before there's any formalized course on how to start a cleaning company. Now I think it's blown up enough where there is. But yeah, it was just some guy online who posted the steps and a nice community around it. So it started from there. That's cool. And you obviously like the process of building a business enough to stick with um, a a service like this because I can't imagine uh, cleaning is your passion. (laughs) Cleaning is not my passion. You're right. And uh, I was actually speaking with uh, my team about this recently because we were reevaluating like what is the mission statement? Why are we here? Like what are we exactly doing? And at the beginning of starting made this my why, my, my reason for doing it is one, I wanted to travel um, and I needed a business which allowed me to do that. And two, I just wanted to provide more financially for my parents who were getting old. Um, those are my two reasons why. But it wasn't that I loved cleaning, which is why I got into it. Nor do I necessarily think that anyone has to be passionate about the business they start in, in order to get to it. I'm passionate just about entrepreneurship in general. I'm passionate about the people we employ, the people we support, and our team members. The end product is can be variable, right? And maybe that's something unique to us because I just enjoy entrepreneurship, not exactly the end product, but that's what I think. I think the end product can be variable. It just depends what you do with it. I agree, and I can relate to that why. Definitely you know, wanting to be location-dependent and then supporting my loved ones in times of need or as they get older and they might need a little bit of financial support. When you say that you then bought a one-way ticket to Columbia and started or continued on, like how established was made this prior to that flight to Columbia? It was at, I definitely had not replaced my income from my job. It wasn't there. It was on an upward trajectory. Um, It was making enough money where I would be able to sustain myself at break even while traveling. 
and I could pay for all of my expenses and uh, yeah, it was and, at that point. And you were fo- focused on um, the the people who needed this service in the LA area. Is that kind of where your most your customers were coming from? Yeah, now we've expanded to the Bay Area as well. So we also service San Francisco uh, and the surrounding areas as well as Los Angeles. But at the time, we were only focused on Los Angeles. Interesting. Yeah, let's talk about that in detail too. Like how when, how do you break into a new city when you don't necessarily have the network of, of people that you can outsource the service to? Yeah, so we, um, we have one individual who manages the Bay Area. He actually lives in Honduras. So we don't have any physical presence in San Francisco, but we still service the area. Uh, the thing is, at least for us, we find cleaners who are local to that area and everything else could be managed remotely. Meaning if they, if they call, it routes to our team member who's in Honduras to answer and to troubleshoot and try to help them out. So a lot of it's just do online research. You know the neighborhoods you should target. You know where to advertise for, in our case, the cleaners. Um, it's all stuff you, you would be doing from an office, but we're just doing it from – an office in another country, basically. I love this. So cool. So when you branched out to the Bay Area, we'll use that as an example, you are posting an ad, for example, of people needing work to clean. Mm-hmm. And then you're also providing that cleaning service to hosts of Airbnbs and, and people who have homes that need cleaning. And you just put the two people together. And then like, how do they not cut you out of that deal? Yeah, good point. So the uh, that that is always a worry, and, and we right now we're using independent contractors, right, as opposed to employees. But I think it can be variable. Um, so with us, that is a worry. But think about who the cleaners are. They're people who are not great at marketing. Um, these are people who don't know maybe where to get their next customer from. On the customer's end, they want something which is super easy to book and schedule, and they want great customer service. That's what people are accustomed to now. Mm-hmm. So we are providing services on both sides for the individuals. And the mo- most important part is the amount we're paying the cleaners is what they're asking. We're not, we're not telling them, hey, you're only going to make minimum wage, and that's what you're going to have to do to work with us. We say, cool, how much do you charge for one bedroom? Okay. And then we have a specific rate with the hosts, and we make the difference. That's, that's basically it. And then when it comes to the actual cleaning process and they're in the house doing the cleaning, like who sets the standard of what's cleanly and what's not and what needs to be done? Uh, yeah, great, great question. And that's always honestly the tough part because everyone's expectations are different. So when we onboard a customer, we have to set very clear expectations on what cleaners are likely capable of doing as well as what the hosts want. And that's the most important part, uh, managing expectations on both sides. Uh, usually when hosts come to us, uh, a vacation rental turnover is generally the same type of thing, meaning make sure the guest who walks in is going to give you a five-star review, whatever that means. Uh, not everyone says, I want the beds folded in a specific way. Mainly, they just want the place cleaned and, and ready for the next guest to come in. So that's what we ensure the cleaners know, and also the hosts ensure the cleaners know of get it, get it guest ready. That's basically it. Okay. I see. And then when you you decided to make it a franchise, like how are you franchising this model? Yeah, sure. So uh, in any specific city, um, obviously there's tons of vacation rental host. You do need someone more locally focused, meaning we do lots of handholding with both the cleaners as well as the customers. It's a pretty intensive on the people end. Um, therefore, if you just have a national service trying to do an Uber model, it doesn't work because it's going to make reviews fall down the cracks for the host. So Having someone who's focused on a specific uh, specific geography and onboard cleaners who are either contractors or employees, um, that's basically the model. It's basically the cleaning service model, and uh, the labor is going to be either the contractors or the employees. 
Got it. And then, so then what would I be buying if I bought one of your franchises? Like what specifically am I getting? Yeah, sure. So everything in terms of the, uh, the, the website, the online marketing, all of the systems for finding the customers. Uh, we do a lot of the marketing for the franchisee, all of the operations manual. It's, you know, 400 page massive manual on every mistake we've ever learned in the last seven years put together. So it's pretty much the entire playbook as well as the backend support system plus the marketing uh, in order to run pretty much a very similar operation to what I have going on in California. I see. And yeah, um, based on your website, you just started this last year. So how's it going? Have you had many people purchase this franchise model? Yeah, I mean, we officially launched a couple of months ago. So okay. it, it was an interesting time to launch amidst the crisis and everything that's happening. So uh, no, we're just getting out to market right now. We have a handful of um, territories in mind, which we think would be great for franchise owners, and they're going to start targeting them. Uh, honestly, we're going to be pretty picky with who we're bringing on to make sure that they're a good fit and honestly that we could help them, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that we want to sell this to everyone. If we don't think we could help someone achieve what their goals are, there's no point in doing this for either side. Um, so this year probably just focus on a couple of franchisees and making sure we could really change their lives and then move on to bigger things next year. Yeah, absolutely. Also sounds like not a huge upfront cost on your end. It's not like you're burning tons of cash every month with this you know, obviously Corona hitting people, you know, aren't needing their Airbnbs cleaned right now. So, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it is, but you're, it's a pretty safe pivot or addition to what you're already doing, right? Yeah. In terms of, uh, the franchise yeah, side, like to spend, like, I mean, it's, it's not, I can't imagine, is it, is it breaking even? I mean, like whatever you're using to support this new, uh, business venture that the franchise model, like I, is it, is it really cash intensive or is it pretty mellow? Uh, right now it's pretty mellow. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't doesn't cost as much, and honestly, even on the corporate side, which is the existing operations which are running, we're pretty lean. Everything is virtual. We don't have an office. Our teams across the globe. Um, it, it's a pretty lean operation for everyone. So yeah, we're not. It's not a very cash intensive business on either the franchise side or the made this corporate side. That's awesome. I think that's what I think a lot of people when they start their online ventures should be focused on is trying to run as lean as possible with a huge upside. How um, many staff members do you have, and where are they located? Yeah, sure. So we have um, about 10 staff members across multiple different countries. Uh, a lot of them are based in Central America, uh, one for time zone, and two, a lot of the cleaners we work with are Hispanic. So being able to recruit um, team members who are from Latin American countries is definitely helpful for the cultural gap as well. Mm -hmm. And have you achieved that goal that you initially set out with, which was to like help support or even fully support your parents? Yeah, yeah. Actually, funny enough, my uh, both my parents do work for Made This as well, so they're here with me, kind of a family enterprise, I guess. At this point, uh, yeah, I have, and that that actually makes me very proud. So I have achieved that goal. That's so cool, dude! Congratulations. Thanks, do man. You, do you have siblings? I do. I have an older sister. Okay, and is and what kind of line of work is she in? If you don't mind me asking, no, it's fine. She she works. Uh, she does not work at Made This. She's she's not an entrepreneur. She works at a company, um, a pharmaceutical company, a little bit north of LA. Okay, so she works in corporate. She's she's married, has a couple kids, uh, lives up in the Thousand Oaks area. If you're familiar with it, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you think that you learned this entrepreneurial skill set, or do you think it was kind of something that you had within yourself? that has Ooh. allowed you to build this? Good question. Um, I'm going to say it's a combo. So my, my parents, when I was growing up, had video rental stores. You remember mm -hmm. like the old blockbusters? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. So growing up, I was exposed to small business. Uh, they had a, just a couple storefronts, so it, it was a smaller enterprise. But um, I think around that, I always just assumed I'd be getting into business in some sense. So I, after college is when I started working at the finance company. And I liked it. I mean, I think it scratched some part of that small business entrepreneurial itch, uh, but not the full thing. So I, I think I think the idea of being an entrepreneur and a small business entrepreneur was always kind of innate in me, but I didn't know how that would come out, whether that's working at a corporate in the business world or starting my own thing. So I definitely, I'd probably say it was the seed was there, but I really had to cultivate it myself um, after jumping into entrepreneurship. Nice. And you own this outright. Like this is your, you don't have partners. Correct. Okay. And then as you, as you, you grew it and started, you know, working with different, do you speak Spanish by the way? Uh, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh, nice. Did, how, is that how you grew up in a Spanish household or? No, no, I, I'm Indian. So I did not grow up in a Spanish household. I, it's in, uh, as you know, Japan in California, they force you to learn it basically as part of elementary high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I learned it there and then I completely forgot most of it until I booked that one way to Colombia, And I was just backpacking around Latin America and, uh, picked it back up uh, somehow and, and got a much better at it. So I would not say I'm fluent, but enough to get by. That's cool. How, how many hours a day or weeks are you working on this? It's like a uh, full-time eight-hour day? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to depend what's going on in life, honestly. Like if I'm in Chiang Mai at a, a conference or something like that in Thailand where we met last year, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot less. And I, I, that's the cool part is I could flex it as much or as little as I want to. I personally work full time because I like work, mm-hmm. um, so I do that. But I could totally not work as much. It's it's very well systemized at this point. So rad! I love systems and they function efficiently. Yeah. Um, do you foresee this lifestyle um, in your future? I mean, are you going to be a location independent digital nomad for the next ten years, or do you see yourself settling down? Have you found a place? I guess is the right question that you could see yourself settling yeah. down. You know, it's a damn good question, and it's – I'm going through this internal debate right now of what I need to do. Um, so I'm, I'm 31 right now, and I've been traveling on and off for the last five years or so, um, just around the world. I think it's been in 30 countries, but you know, I spent part of the time here, part of the time elsewhere, and I still love it. Um, but if I'm looking down the line and what I kind of want out of life, I don't – for me, I'm not convinced that the nomad life is conducive for what I want long-term you know, in 10 years from now, at some point, maybe like a family and kids. And at that point, can I still do the, the location independent life? Probably, but do I want to? I don't really know. I don't know any of that. So I think with the headspace I'm in right now is trying to debate if I want to quote unquote, settle, settle down in one location a little bit longer, um, and just make some trips or continue the lifestyle for a while. And that's it, a, it's a strange headspace I'm in right now. Yeah, have you found a place that kind of ticks those boxes? That's been coming up a lot. You know, as we we travel, we start to have those boxes that we tick to to describe that perfect place that kind of fulfills us and and all of our needs. Do you have those kind of boxes in any place in particular ticking them? Good question. I've I've came across places places uh, I've loved. Um, I haven't come across a place where I'm like I absolutely am hundred percent going to live here. Um, one place, honestly, is. Southern California, just for specific reasons of, um, well, weather's good year round and mainly, uh, family and friends are over here as well. So I have some roots over here. I'm familiar with it. So this would definitely be a place, um, where I'd be happy to 
have a home base in and where maybe I currently have a home base in uh, a little bit more naturally. Um, outside of that, I, I mean, honestly, places in Europe, like uh, specifically Spain, I loved when I was there. And I, I thought, you know, I could probably settle down somewhere over here as well. So those are the two options. Yeah, dude, I hear you. How, you mentioned you have, are, have Indian background. Have you been back to India much? Do you have family there? Uh, all the families actually in the U.S. now spread across a couple of different states. But I went there about a year ago. And unfortunately, I don't speak Hindi, uh, but everyone sees me, and I'm Indian, so they start speaking to me in Hindi, and I'm like, dude, I could speak Spanish to you. I'm sorry. I, I don't know, unfortunately, what you're saying. Uh, Chapin, have you been there? I have, yeah. I spent three months there back in like 2003, and it was very intense. It's come up a lot on this podcast because I'm always yeah. intrigued with people's own perceptions and experiences within India. Um, I vowed I'd go back at least one more time, and – you know, I think that as the distance and or the time that's passed since I've been there has made me grow fonder of the the experiences that I did have. But it's just so fucking intense, dude. Dude, it it's is so uh, overwhelming. It's a polarizing place, man. When you, go, I think what I always tell people when they ask me how it's going to be, I'm like, you're either going to love it or completely hate it. There's no in between. It's so polarizing because you just have so much stimulus coming at you. Everywhere. I was. I went there with a friend last year, and we're walking, and we looked down an alleyway in one city, and he was like, dude, look at the alleyway. And I looked at the alleyway, and there was no one there. And that was the attraction, is that there was one space where our eyesight was looking where there was no people. That was the only time in the whole trip where we saw no people. It's just that crowded. Yeah, that's a profound contrast that I think anybody who has been there can relate to. Because, yeah, it's just like, oh, my God, there's space with nobody. I'm going to go sit in the alley and like drink a beer or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of like um, I like when I think about backpacking, right? I would think about Southeast Asia as like you know, basic level backpacking. It's very cheap, easy to get around. Then maybe you're looking at South America, and you're like, okay, you, you probably should know a little bit about what you're doing when when going to traveling. India, in in my mind, I consider it like expert level backpacking. Of like, you really better be prepared for what you're about to walk into. If you go in there and have no idea, it's going to be a rough time. So that's kind of how I look at it. I think that's a great analogy, and I I totally agree. I've never been to Africa, and some countries in Africa, I guess I'm assuming, could have that similar sort of need to be a little bit more experienced. But um, yeah, dude, like I I've advised a few people who are going on their first trip, and I was like, you know, Thailand's a great starter country. It's just mm-hmm. culturally rich, very foreign feeling. However, it's extremely easy to get around, and I think that's you know what we kind of just described as like a good starter country. Chapin, what would you say about Central America? Have you spent 10 years in Nicaragua? What would you say for someone who just wants to start and head straight to Central America? I agreed with you, and I haven't actually ever spoken to anybody about this, but it's not that easy. Like, I mean, because we came from Southern California, we are familiar with Spanish culture and the language to a certain extent. But, you know, like the bus systems in Mexico and Central America, like they run sort of. <laughs> The chicken buses? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's not as efficient as, you know, Thailand, for example. And you could easily be waiting for a bus that's scheduled, you know, for a 12 o'clock pickup at a bus stop and it doesn't show up, you know, mm-hmm. or it doesn't come by for, you know, a few hours, you know, after it was supposed to be there. And that's pretty common, you know, unless you are taking the higher end um, bus systems down there that travel all throughout Central America <clears> and Mexico. Yeah, you'll get from point A to p- point B um, pretty efficiently. With you know, the, it's a consistent happening of breakdowns on buses. I've definitely sat on the side of the road, in on a bus line that should have been 
um, quality, you know, for hours waiting for another bus to come by and pick us up. Um, so it's, yeah, inter- I'd say intermediate level travel. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, but I, I think it's also dependent on the individual and the adventure they're looking for. You know, like if you're apprehensive, if you're listening right now and you, you kind of are somebody who's not wanting to jump in the deep end. Yeah. Like we just talked about maybe Thailand, but if you are familiar with Latin culture and the language, like why not jump across the border in Mexico and cruise around? It's totally safe. I think it's unfortunate. The American media, um, you know, just makes it seem just so uh, like scary and dangerous, but yeah, agreed. I, um, just cause of the nature of my business, it is, it is location dependent, meaning I'm still working on the LA time zone. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, for the first few years of my entrepreneurial journey, I was limited to basically Latin America and maybe Europe to go to because of time zone. So the first time I hit Asia was last year or in late 2018. That was the first time I've ever been there after five years of traveling, which is crazy because I almost feel like Thailand is kind of the mecca of backpacking and, and starting your, your your journey as a nomad. Um, so the first place I went to was Latin America and yeah, I, uh, because of American media, I was scared. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect. I took every single type of precaution available just cause I didn't know what to do. Uh, and honestly it was, I think that the danger is a little bit overblown. Uh, it's not as dangerous as people think it's not as dangerous as the American media makes you think. Uh, obviously we call it intermediate because you still have to watch where you are. If you're like in Chiang Mai in Thailand, you could walk around at 3am anywhere and you're fine for the most part. Uh, it's not the same case in many Latin American countries. That's the main difference. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and yeah, I think um, with the people in, in Central America, they're equally as willing to help. Mm-hmm. Um, the I find like there's still like that lost in trans those lost in translation moments that take a little bit longer to f- get what you need and want. Rather than it's funny, I would say like you can find things quicker in thailand even though i mean thai speak english sort of but they still like there's somehow it's just like i feel like it's a little bit more difficult in central america you know? yeah i would agree i would definitely agree um so then you know as you're a young man you're 31 and you obviously have aspirations sounds like to you know maybe settle start a family um what do you foresee over the next 10 years are you going to start more businesses do you have that in you are you pretty happy with what you've already created yeah good question i i am pretty passionate about made this franchise and what we're doing here mm-hmm. um the franchise is built around what i've already built at made this meaning taking the systems of a remote team um taking all the marketing we learned taking all the operations you learned packaging it up and allowing other people to have the same type of quote-unquote success that i've had in terms of achieving a lifestyle i want to so i am actually pretty passionate about trying to grow made this franchise as much as possible try to help out as many people who qualify as possible and just grow this thing into kind of a beast and and see what happens. I think after that, um, who knows how things will change. I'm sure at some point in my life I'll start another business. But for now, I'm actually pretty happy with Made This and Made This franchise. That's cool, dude. And you got your parents working for you. Can I ask what specific roles they have within your business? Yeah, sure. So the um, minor roles, they both work part-time. So they're, they're both pretty close to retirement age as well so they're just you know i don't almost call it like a little side side job for them which is fine uh my mother helps with cleaner onboarding and helps with operations and uh my father helps with quality checks for some of our larger clients nice dude very cool with uh you know maybe quarantine being lifted at some point here in the near future do you see yourself jumping back down into mexico or you have uh, a new place that you're going to try to get to 
Uh, the the concept of international travel versus domestic travel this year, I, I'm not sure. I think a lot of us, you and me, Chapin, are probably itching, and a lot of people in the DC crowd are itching to leave and go to a different country. I might stay a little bit local, um, or I might head to Europe. Um, so honestly, it's completely open-ended. I've not exactly figured out. And yeah, how about yourself? Uh, I've been trying to get to Trinidad and Tobago. I have some friends there, and I uh, would love to interview some expats down there. Wow. I have not heard much about that. How is that in terms of a spot to post up in? Um, that's a great question. And just my friends have been there for the last two years building a mansion for some Canadian gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've kind of felt the pulse of it just through them and their emails. And it sounds, again, just like you pointed out, like a country that not many people talk about, but super cool with a very unique expat scene and culturally very interesting. And those are the places I'm most attracted to. You know, just something that you don't hear about too often, but obviously we know about. And uh, I want to go figure out what's going on down there and, and capture some cool stories. Nice. Chief, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Your, your quote, one of your bases, I guess, would be close to where you are, where we are in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Do you try to pick places you travel to based off of the distance to your home base? No. Never. Hmm. It's always based on intrigue and necessity. So I love Thailand with all my heart. It's not a place that I um, would probably travel to unless you guys were there, the DC members, you know, like that group of people that I've, I've grown to love and really respect and, and need in my life. Um, I am attracted to, like I just said, like places that I'm, I'm unfamiliar with and that maybe have a little bit of a stigma behind them to go kind of suss out what's real, like what's real news. Like I interviewed um, the couple from Nomadosaurus. It's a blog and they, they focus on like, you know, the Middle East like Rajasthan, Tajikistan, um, Afghanistan. And it's like, whoa, that's crazy. I mean, I I know of these places, but as an American, they obviously have huge stigma behind them. And they're like, these places are incredible. You know, nicest people, so safe to travel. I mean, aside from the Afghanistan parts of Afghanistan. Um, And that's intriguing to me. And I want to go, you know, get on the ground and and get real news, if you will, and talk to people. Like what the guy was actually talking about, how like, a few years prior, he was sitting in, I think, the capital of, I'm going to make this up, like Kazakhstan. And a Frenchman walked into this little bar he was at, who seemed very rough, and um, sat down and, and kind of started conversation with him. And it turned out the guy had been walking for the last 25 years around the world. Jeez. <laughs> just walking. You know, <laughs> you meet characters like that for me, and that's just so powerful and interesting. And, and those are the stories that I think originally Misfits and Rejects was founded upon. Mm hmm. But obviously, like the deeper I got into the the digital nomad lifestyle design thing, it's like your story is equally as powerful as his story to a whole different audience. Right. And I'd love to bring that spectrum to the whole world and just show like, hey, there's so many options for you out there. You don't have to be this like reclusive sort of like misfit that, you know, sails away and you never hear from again. Like you could be a very... um, charismatic you know eccentric individual that just has an idea and and decides to make you know million dollars online with it while they're traveling you know yeah yeah what one thing i noticed um i don't know if this happens to you but during travel you meet so many unique people from so many unique uh lifestyles and you kind of realize there's so many different ways to live no ways no ways right no ways wrong everyone just chooses their own different path on how they, they want their lifestyle to be I feel like sometimes being in the U.S. and specifically Southern California and L.A. where everyone has so- kind of somewhat of the same life. Everyone's 
climbing some sort of ladder, ladder everyone's hustling, everyone's doing these things, it, it almost in a small way gives me anxiety because I, I feel like I'm back in the rat race in a, in a weird way. And then whenever I go elsewhere and I meet interesting people who probably would be on your podcast, for example, it opens my eyes and say, oh, I forgot there's an entire world of different lifestyles that you could possibly have. I don't have to be stuck in whatever society is telling me to do in California. So it's it's always refreshing to me um, to meet people like that on the road. And I think I've met the most interesting people ever in my life on the road. Uh, and that's that's where they are, right? They're not they're not in Orange County with me. They're probably on the road somewhere in the middle of Nicaragua, for example. Mm. Would you say that's what drives you the most to travel? The people? Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. It's, so not the places, yeah. the people? I think it starts with the place because you don't know who you're going to find there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you get to a place and just get more involved, um, that's where you discover gems of people in those places. So I think I first picked the place and the people naturally follow because maybe they have the same mentality of me of going to that specific place. I would agree that the stranger place you go to, you're going to find a more unique perspective. Um, and it also depends where you stay. Like during my my trip to South America, the first time when I went there, uh, I was I was mostly staying at hostels, which are fantastic. And you find some interesting characters at hostels. Like I met a guy who had a penny farthing bike. Do you know those, those penny farthing bikes, the ones with the big front wheel and the small back wheel? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, I met him in Ecuador in the middle of, of nowhere in Ecuador. He had taken that bike from the top of Canada and I met him down in Ecuador. And I was like, what? I didn't understand. Like, what do you, why? Like, what are you doing? What is the purpose of this? And he was like, I don't know. I just like penny farthing bikes. <laughs> and it just, it blew my mind. I'm like, I don't know where I would ever meet someone like you who's just spent the last few months making this trip. Uh, and it was so awesome. It is. And there's countless examples that we could probably talk about forever um, about those types of moments where you meet that person who just went and did it. You know, they have that in them that they're willing to just try and get on a penny farling bike and ride from Canada to, I'm assuming he's probably going to Patagonia at some point. Um, and that's one thing I, th- I really hope this podcast is bringing to my audience is that, you know, there's countless examples of people who just liked to do something and didn't necessarily have a goal in mind or a way to make money while they do it or did it, but they just started and started pedaling that bike, you know, and countless things can happen. Countless doors will open and it might not, you might walk into a room that, you know, for a fact, wasn't the right place for you to be in that moment, but there's a door on the other side that's going to lead you into a whole new room, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would also go, go as far to say, you don't have to pick a decision on a lifestyle and have that for life. Meaning if you are worried about, traveling and throwing away your old life it's okay you could always go back it's not a permanent decision but you might as well try what else is out there and then go back if you want to that's a little bit about about what i did i guess is at the beginning i thought i'd be traveling for a very long time and i was doing frequent trips moving at a much faster rate between countries and between cities and like a lot of people i kind of just slowed down and i said well i think I'm, i'm changing now maybe this isn't what i want anymore and right now I'm posted in California and maybe I'll be here long term now. I don't know. It just it just kind of changed in my mind. But I guess the idea is uh, at the beginning I thought I'd be traveling maybe forever and now it's completely morphed into something else. And that change is completely fine. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What was your style when you first got on the road? Um, was it a uh, week, week there, month here, month there? Or, yeah, what was your style? Uh, it was quick. I think three weeks in every country. I was like one week in each city. I was just going, going, going. Interesting. And then what about, you know, you obviously had to work. So there's obviously um, 
work spaces. What, what do you call them? Like co-working spaces that people use. Mm-hmm. You could probably just do it from your hotel room. I'm assuming. What's your style? Yeah, I always I try to go to co-working spaces when they're available. Um, I actually used to pick cities and places to post up and based on if they had a highly rated co-working space or not. That was my thing. Because uh, for me, fulfillment, I, I get a lot of fulfillment from work, meaning I can't just travel. I'd get bored very quickly. So I want to work a proper work week throughout the week and be productive. And I do that best at a co-working space. So yeah, I'd actually pick places based off of if they had a really good co-working space or if they had a really good co-living space as well, which I think is another place to find very interesting people. I love learning that about people and, and the motivation and how they kind of strategically pick these places and, and where they're going to go. So co-working spaces was important to you, co-living spaces. And then when it comes to co-living spaces, what kind of websites were you using to find those? Um, I would actually think about maybe a country I want to go to and then type in co-living and that country. Uh, I think there's co-living.com as well where you could find places. Um, honestly, I've done this recently. I've just I've had such good experiences at different co-living places. I sometimes pick where I'm going to go based off where the highest rated co-living space is. Um, so it wouldn't even be the country. It'd say, okay, where's this really well, really highly rated co-living space that I've heard a lot about just through the grapevines or online? Where is it? Why don't I just go to that country? And the reason is I found such interesting, fascinating people at co-living places I've been to. And for anyone um, who doesn't know what co-living places is, it's almost like like a uh, you, you're living with other people who all work remotely. You're living ev- with everyone together in the same house. You could have different rooms or maybe bunk beds, but usually it's different rooms. And it's just like a, a house of just interesting people that you live with. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of these around the world. And I found some of the most fascinating people I've ever met in these places. Have you ever joined one of those like kind of traveling groups, for example, like the Wi-Fi tribe that like, you know, find a space and curate it and then they invite people to come live with them for periods of time? You know, I have not. I've uh, I've heard good things about it from people who've done it. Um, I found I, I maybe didn't need to. It's almost like I was doing it myself, but I've, I've not done that. Okay. Man, this is cool, dude. I really appreciate your time. You know, if you could speak to one audience member who's interested in, you know, starting that first online business or maybe taking that first trip, uh, what could you say to them to maybe motivate them and help them take that first step? Yeah, there's um, – when I was starting, I was reading everything, right? And I tried a lot of things, but I was reading everything. Should I start a microblog? Should I start this? Should I do this? And sometimes you fall into the trap of paralysis analysis where – you read so much, you get overwhelmed, and you feel like you're being productive by learning, but in reality, you're not. Uh, I, I think you, in some ways, when you start, you kind of got to shoot from the hip and just move fast, 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 and see what hits. Um, so the only advice I'd be able to give to people is try not to get sucked into paralysis analysis. Just try stuff. See what, see what sticks, and then pivot quickly if it doesn't. But the fact is you got to take some action and not just study. And that's something that I was at fault in early on, which I'd hope to prevent other people from falling into. Good advice, Neil. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Please tell the audience one more time where they can go check out your uh, online business. Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Neil Parekh. You can look me up online or made this franchise. That's M-A-I-D-T-H-I-S franchise.com. You're the man, dude. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Shaven. Awesome, Neil. Thank you so much for your time and joining us. What a cool story. What an inspiration. This concept of remote local businesses where you can operate it from anywhere in the world, servicing a specific city with a specific service. I mean, again, it's just so cool. And I love that you've developed a viable business and you've taken it into the franchise space. I have no doubt that it'll continue to grow and you'll be a success with it. So thank you again. 
And then again, if you're a first-time listener, please pull up that phone, hit subscribe on whatever podcast player you're listening to this on. That really helps people find Misfits and Rejects within the search engines that are on iTunes, Spotify, whatever you're listening to this on. And if you like Misfits and Rejects, please give us a five-star review. Maybe share this with somebody that you feel has an opportunity with their service-based business to turn it into a remote local where they don't necessarily have to be in the city that they are providing the service to their customers. So thank you so much again for listening. I think you all are so very beautiful and looking forward to seeing you in next week's episode, Monday, 9 a.m. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.